Blog Talk Radio. Hello? It seems like a little bit of technical difficulty here. Hello? You there, Steve? Hey, I'm here. How are you, man? All right. I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Sitting outside right now, it's beautiful, enjoying a nice little IPA, having a great Easter. That's always a good thing. Once again, uh, we have Rich Steve on uh, the air with us this week. Uh, Rich Steve, for those fans that are not uh, don't know who you are, why don't you give them a little, uh, little bit about who you are? All right, man. Well, I, uh, I first started wrestling back in 2006 in the Philadelphia area. I was uh, trained by Gemini and by Onslaught at ACPW, mainly worked out of Philadelphia. 
But uh, it took a couple years off. Now I've been back for about a year now working uh, West Virginia, Delaware, North Carolina, Virginia, Florida, all around, man, just trying to uh, to get back into it. I'm the uh, leader of the coalition, and I am one half of Impact Society. Nice, nice. So um, now you said you got your start in Philadelphia now. Uh, everyone knows Philadelphia. Philadelphia can definitely be a tough crowd. How was it like coming up in that scene? You know, I think that it was good for me. It really was. Um, I remember when, when I was starting out, there was guys like Trent Acid and Johnny Cashmere, the backseat boys. They were in the locker room. New Jack in the locker room. People like that who, you know, I grew up watching and in the way that they interacted with the crowds and the way that the crowds either loved or hated them. And that was what I wanted, man. Like, I wanted that heat to be coming my way. So as soon as I finally got, a, you know, an opportunity to have that trial by fire to see where either they're going to let you know that you suck or they're going to let you know that you're pretty good at this thing, it really was good for me as a young wrestler starting out. Nice, nice. Now, you said you was in the locker room with New Jack. How was that? Were you ever afraid of uh, getting on his bad side? <laughs> it's actually it's it's a funny story. Um, I I actually did get a little bit of heat on that show, and I was I was really scared because you know you just hear all of the stories about what New Jack is like, this, that, and the other. And uh, I I had wound up the the way that it worked was they wanted all of the students to be there at like 2 o'clock, I think. Regular call time was 5 o'clock. And so I showed up probably around 2.30, and there was heat right away. And New Jack's not even in the building yet. So I'm walking around backstage. I'm like, man, as soon as New Jack gets here, he's going to take me out. He's going to fuck me up, blah, 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 blah. Turned out everything was fine, but just that fear of knowing, like, this is New Chak's reputation and you're on his bad side already, it scared the shit out of me the first time, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I actually, I actually got a funny New, New Jack story. Uh, New Jack ran a promotion in Ohio uh, for a little while in Cincinnati, and I was actually on the first show. And I had a match with Eddie Insane. We were, like, second match on. First, I mean, we may have been first match on. And uh, towards intermission, New Jack came up to me. He was supposed to work Madman Pondo in the main event. And New Jack just wasn't feeling like doing all that work. So he comes <laughs> up to me in the locker room and he says, hey, uh, I'm going to put you in the match with me and Pondo. And I just oh, kind of looked at him like, uh, uh, he's like, is that okay? I'm like, and I, I didn't know what to say. I'm lost. Like, I don't do hardcore. <laughs> I don't like hardcore. It's just not my style. Right. And he's like, just he's just like, just say yes. And I'm like, uh, I'd rather not, you know. And <laughs> telling, I mean, it's it's one thing to tell the promoter himself, you know, no, I don't want to do that. It's a right. whole nother thing when that promoter is New Jack. Um, <laughs> so I was, you know, I I just say I, I don't want to do that. It's not what I do, you know. And he yeah. found some he found some other mark to take the spot. Uh, this kid who was. <laughs> This kid was so fucking backyard. He had grass stains on his. Uh, he didn't have. He didn't have gear. He had grass stains on his pants. And, From Walmart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't even know if he could afford the Walmart. Maybe Goodwill pants. Um, and in the end spot, which is a spot that New Jack wanted me to do, 
was he threw the kid off the balcony, or Pondo threw the kid off a balcony, uh, threw a table with light tubes around it, or light tubes Ooh. on top of it. And, and the kid, instead of trying to do a flip and, and do a back bump onto the table, he decided to go stomach first on the table off of the balcony. Oh, shit, man. Right. That's, so That's crazy. I got to say, I man, did, like, uh, I, I just can't imagine, like, thinking that this is a good idea. Like, I'm not even going to attempt to flip. I'm just going to take it with my guts and all my eternal organs. Right. Yeah. That's it. Let me let me get my face as close to the fucking shattering glass as I can. <laughs> that that's intelligent. And so, and I guess uh, New Jack actually worked the kid again uh, about a week or two weeks later in West Virginia, and I mean he tore the kid a new one because he completely messed up the entire match. Surprise. Uh. Not good, man. I got to say, though, for uh, I believe he was in, in the promotion in ACPW for like three or four shows, and he really was a class act. You know, I have nothing but good things to say about New Jack. He was nothing but respectful to me the entire time that I dealt with him. And, you know, I was, I was green as goose shit at the time. And the fact that he was still willing to help me the way that he did, I, I got nothing but love for the guy. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I've always said that New Jack and Jerome are two different people, and sometimes the line gets very blurred because I think that's the way he likes it. Uh, but yeah. deep down, I mean, he, he's not a horrible guy that a lot of people make him out to be. You know, I think he does a lot of stuff for publicity that I don't agree with. Um, right. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's what makes him money. So, I mean, he, he does he does what he knows, and that's all he knows really is, you know, how to get that – publicity and it works for him yeah it definitely does man it definitely does so yeah that was kind of interesting working for him it only lasted about three shows though because whoever he's taking the building from decided that uh they was going to move him out and, and use the uh, uh leverage his promotion got to start running his own shows so okay how, why you would want to make an enemy out of New Jack, I don't know, but apparently that guy <laughs> thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, not the smartest call, man. But, no, honestly, like, coming up in the Philadelphia scene, it, it really was – it taught me everything that I know now. Like, the way that I, I cut my promos, the way that I, I talk to the crowd – all of that, if I don't think I was coming up in Philadelphia, I don't think I would be as good as I am at it. Right. And, and, and that's, that's one thing. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't get the importance of getting a promo down. I think a promo is one of the most important things in this business. Um, and I think your promo skills can make or break you or anyone, you know. Yeah. Uh, what are your yeah. feelings on that? You know, I think, especially for someone like me, because, you know, when I'm growing up, I'm looking at guys like Dusty Rhodes. I'm looking at guys like Yokozuna, you know, the bigger guys, because I'm six foot, 310 pounds myself. I'm not going to be pulling a Young Bucks match. You know, I look at a guy like, uh, you know, like, like Kevin Owens or, or Samoa Joe, like the bigger guys who are able to do all that stuff, and I envy them. But I know for me that that's not where my bread is buttered. The way that I'm going to get over, the way that I'm going to make this crowd care about me is my promo ability. So from day one, I was always working on my promos. I was always asking for advice on how I can cut better promos. 
And, you know, it, it, to me, it shows today. You know, when I go to a new promotion, I can tell the promoter, like, look, if you want to make sure that I'm going to get over or get your guy over, just give me a mic in three minutes. So when I'm talking to a new guy who's coming up, I can't stress enough how important it is not only to have the look, not only to have the ability, but to be able to cut that promo, to be able to sit there for three minutes and just talk and get somebody else over or get yourself over. Right. And I actually found, you know, promos to kind of be a a hindrance for me in my career. Uh, I broke my leg and they wanted to keep me kind of in the eyes. So uh, they put me on the role as the half owner of the company and they, they just liked my promos so much that when I did heal up, I kind of was pigeonholed in that role and I've yeah. found since then I'm, I'm getting more work as a manager and things like that outside of wrestling, which right. my body loves. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of miss being in there. But, you know, my promo skills is just to the point where they figured uh, my mouth can get someone else over a lot better than my wrestling can get myself over. So Right. You know, when, when I first started, I, uh, I was a manager because I was, I was 16 when, when I became my training. So... You know, in Pennsylvania, you're not allowed to be wrestling when you're 16. So their their way around that was, you know, for the next 18 months, you're going to work your ass off in the gym. You're going to work your ass off at the school. But when we're ready to introduce you to the crowd, we'll make you a manager. So that was what I started with, and that was all I was able to do at first was just use my promo ability to get over my partner at the time, Corpse. And that just carried on. So when I finally came back, you know, uh, last July, I took about four years off. I came back in July. Um, I was completely out of ring shape, and I needed to get the rust off. I needed to get back in the gym. So me and Crazy Shay, who is the promoter of OTCW, we were trying to think, what can we do to introduce me to the crowd in the meantime? That's where they came up with the idea of a general manager. That's where I got that role. So now, you know, I'm, I'm in the locker room now and I'm, I'm wrestling and I have guys coming up to me and they're like, man, I didn't even know you worked. I just, I just thought you were a manager because of how well you do it. And I had to explain to them that that was just in the meantime, man. That's, that's, not, where my, that's not where my heart is. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be in there. But I'm a team player at the same time. And I know that this is what's going to get other people over. And it's what's going to look best while I'm getting back into ring shape. Now, you mentioned you took four years off. What was uh, your reasoning behind that? Uh, actually, school. I went to I went to college for that four-year period. Oh, okay. Where was that? Where'd you go to college at? Uh, Penn State University. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually still at uh, Penn State Harrisburg campus. I study uh, political science and history is my minor. Ah, nice, nice. Yeah, oh. so, you know, I, as much as I love wrestling, I'm one of those people who say, you know, you have to have that fallback. And oh, yeah. so I, I, I was not going to be one of those guys who, no offense to anybody who is, but, you know, working at the supermarket while I'm working on the weekends and trying to scrape by. If it doesn't work for me, I know that I have my education to fall back on, and I stress that to any guy starting out. You know, make sure that you have that because you never know when you're going to tweak a knee, when you're going to get a concussion, whatever, and it's all going to be over for you. Yeah, definitely you can never – 
You know, you never know when the ends, it could be any little thing. Like, you know, I broke my leg in a freak accident on a simple move, you know, yeah. it's just it, it, anything could happen anytime. I mean, look at Daniel Bryan. I mean, he's, right. he, he can't do what he loves now because of just, you know, freak accidents. Right. I mean, look at, look at Shibata from the other day. Uh, you know, oh, I'm yeah. hearing that that isn't a work now. I'm hearing that he, his career might be done. And that was also something as simple as a headbutt. So it's it's that easy, man, how, how quick this can just end. <clears throat> so I, I have to stress, you know, if you want to do that, if you want to be a wrestler, that's great. I think it's a great thing to pursue. It's great for your body. It's great for your mind. But you have to be smart about it, and you have to realize how many wrestlers there are and how quickly this all can end for you. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, in a blink of an eye, it's, nothing's – ever promised in this business and that's that's a sad reality you know anyone trying to get started in this business i think they're going to make a lot of money in this business i actually had to get on a guy on facebook uh, he's in training at dan severin's school right now and he posted okay. on his facebook page about you know people asking him why he's getting in the business and he said because the money's good and i'll be able to take care of my family you know, I just kind of, I, I, I had to read it like 20 different times before I could even comment on it. Cause I'm like, there's no way you can be this delusional this early on. Uh, you know, no, that's, it, that's there's horrible. no that's... guarantee and there's no money in this business unless you're in one of the bigger companies or you, you know, kind of carved out that niche for yourself, which very few people can. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm at the point now where, like I said, I started this in 2006. So we're coming up on 11 years now, minus the four years that I took off. I don't even look at it anymore as anything other than, you know, this is an opportunity I'm having now. Like, at this point in my career, the fact that I can still have people coming out, I can still get into new promotions, I can still get the support that I do, that's a bonus for me, man. That, that's, that makes it all worthwhile. I don't care, like, do I want to be at the top level indies or above? Of course, anybody who says they don't is pretty much a liar in this business. But I can say that going down to West Virginia and having a house of 150 people and having that crowd cheer for me and that crowd support me gives me the love and gives me the, the satisfaction that I look for in this business right now. And I agree. Like, I mean, my, you know, I run my own promotion and a lot of the reasons I started my own promotion was just cause I kind of got tired of it, seeing it done the wrong way. So many places or so many places were kind of, it's just a horrible atmosphere in the locker room, you know, so on and so on. And it's like, you know, I want to I want to have a place where people can enjoy going where, you know, you don't have the drama in the locker room. You don't have the egos in the locker room, you know, exactly. and I've kind of found, you know, with running my own place, I'm kind of just like, I don't want to go to these. You know, I don't, I'm not really taking these bookings like I used to just for the fact that, you know, it's, it's too much. And, you know, and I know, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've been doing it since I was 15. You know, it's just it's the point now where I'm not gonna go any farther i know that i'm not getting you know picked right. up i'm not getting signed nothing like that you know so i'm enjoying what i'm doing right now and i found out the best way to do it is just make sure i'm in a locker room i can enjoy being in right 
You know, and I got to – with that being said, I have to give a lot of credit to uh, to Rampage Pro Wrestling down in Dover, Delaware, and uh, their owner, Jay Cortez, in that entire locker room. That is probably the best locker room in the in my entire career that I've been in. You know, everybody treats everybody like family. There has not been drama whatsoever for as long as I've been there since last year. And I, I love watching that, man. I love watching the guys that support each other, the guys who stand there and watch the monitor to, to give feedback when a guy comes back through the curtain, that it's not just everybody so self-consumed and worried about their match, that they're willing to give the advice to the new guy as he comes through the curtain and actually just sit there and watch it so they can critique instead of saying, oh, yeah, brother, that was good, that, that was good, actually saying, hey – that, you know, that cross body you could have gotten up a little higher when you were throwing that back elbow really leg into it. That kind of stuff is invaluable for a young guy coming up, and especially for a guy like me who's getting back into it. So I got to give all the credit to RPW. That is a great locker room. Hello? 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 Can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't know what happened. Hello, Jay. Hello? Lose you again? Hello? Can you hear me? Hi, this is Doug Stone, reminding you to join us for West Virginia Weekend in the Country, brought to you by Dave Nelson Entertainment. Join me and other country music superstars, July the 21st through the 23rd. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster or www.west... Hello? Hello? Hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't know what happened, brother. I'm not sure what's going on. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? There we go. Okay. I keep getting a message pop up. I keep getting a message popping up that says uh, technical support is closed for Easter, so I don't know what's going on today with this thing, but uh, no we'll, worries, we'll, man. It's all good. We'll, we'll trudge through it. Nothing like te- technical difficulties on a good day. <laughs> but, like, but like I said, you're talking about the feedback and how important that is. Uh, a few months ago, well, last summer, uh, I did a show up in uh, Pennsylvania, and Ron Simmons was on it. 
And uh, okay. Ron actually sat there and he watched the entire show. And every time someone came back to the locker room, he'd stop them and be like, hey, man, I like this. I like this. You know, work on this. Do this. You know, I mean, and it was just great to see someone of his status and his, you know, credibility in the business caring that much and giving back that much that he actually wanted to sit there. You know, he wasn't getting paid to sit there and, and give guys advice and give guys all that, but he chose to do that. I love that, man. That's, that's, that's so awesome to hear. It was, uh, I actually did a seminar with Teddy Long not too long ago, and he was the exact same way. You know, he said, if anybody wants me to watch their match, just let me know and I'll make sure to do it. And I will give you the feedback. I will give you the criticism if you are open to it. You know, same with a guy like Bob Evans, brutal Bob Evans from Ring of Honor. He's the oh, same yeah. way. I, I, I can't say enough about Tim Hughes, Bob Evans, all of those guys. Like, that type of love for the business and love for, for the guys coming up, it's, it's great. I really I appreciate those guys. Oh, yeah, and it's, you know, it's guys like that that, you know, just kind of make you feel good being in this business. And, and me and Ron actually sat back there and talked for a good 20, 25 minutes just about everything in general, I mean – uh, you know, and he's so down to earth. And it wasn't just talking wrestling either. Like he, we talked about the prison system. We talked about drugs. I mean, it was just, he's wow. just a great down to, you know, and he doesn't superstar anyone. You know, he walked right. around, he shook everyone's hand. He, you know, made everyone, you know, he, he, he was one of the boys that night and he didn't treat you any differently. Right. That's that's awesome to hear. I really like hearing stories like that, especially especially with a guy like Ron Simmons, because that's someone that you know that I idolized growing up. So to hear that somebody like that is that down to earth and willing to give back, that that that's awesome, man. Oh yeah, and I you know I encourage any promoter that you know if you want a name, Ron Simmons is the one to bring in. Because, I mean, yeah. besides that, I mean, the fans just loved him. He interacted with the fans amazingly, you know, and, and the man only has to say one word to get over. So you can't beat that. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, another guy that I, I got to give credit to is uh, Fred Yehi from, from Evolve. He, uh, he was doing a seminar at Baltimore Championship Wrestling. Uh, it was him and the Pope from, from TNA, D'Angelo De Niro. And uh, the, entire, the entire night, Fred Yehi was, was nothing but kind. He was nothing but generous and giving of his time. And I, I got to thank him for that. So I, I appreciate it, man, just hearing these kinds of stories. And how important are seminars? I mean, how important is it for the guys to go to these seminars? Even if you're not booked on whatever show's happening, you know, that night, how important is it to, you know, drive to these seminars, take the time out, you know, pay the money? How important is it to someone's career? You know, I can't stress it enough. I really cannot stress it enough. If you, you know, when you're, when you're reaching out and you're trying to branch out to a new promotion, let's say, and you hear that they have a seminar coming up, you know, you can send in your press kit, you can send in your videos and all that, but going to the actual seminar when you're not booked, not only does that show the, uh, the guys on the roster like what you can do and that you care, it shows the promoters themselves that, hey, this guy isn't even booked, but he's willing to show up early, help set up the ring, pay and do the seminar. And that goes a long way. 
it, it's, it's not only just that, but what you can learn from these guys is invaluable. You know, I was never big into sending out press kits and sending out resumes. I was always a word-of-mouth type of guy. But after one seminar with Bob Evans, I learned so much that my bookings have just gone through the roof because of it, because he taught me what I needed to do, how I needed to talk to people, how I needed to present, present myself. Those are the types of things that I wouldn't have known unless I spent those two hours hanging with Bob. So I, I can't stress enough, if you have a chance to go to a seminar, no matter who it is, but especially if it's one of the Hang With Bob seminars, you've got to go out and do that, man. It will do nothing but help your career in the long run. I agree. I agree. Um, and it actually, I'm trying to find the information here. I promise to plug it. Uh, but there's a big uh, big thing coming up in New York. Um it's going to have pretty much all the uh, the top. Uh, Vampiro is going to be there from Lucha Underground. Um, the guy from Shakara, uh, his name's slipping my mind at the moment. Um, you know, and, uh, Carlos Colon, he's going to be there. Okay. They're going to be evaluating talent. And it's, it's pretty much a competition. Um, but, you know, the top two people are actually going to get tryouts with Lucha Underground and WWC right. down in uh, Puerto Rico. So it's definitely awesome. uh, something worth checking out, um, you know, for anyone that is really serious about this business and really wants to make, you know, make an impact in this business. I, I can't stress that enough, man. I completely agree with you. You know, I was just on vacation a couple weeks ago. I was down in Florida. And while I was down there, I was scouring to see if there was any seminars. I brought my gear just in case, just in case while I was down there, I found somewhere where I could go and learn for a couple hours. So if oh, you yeah, have an opportunity, and that's please, an attitude to have. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And too, too many guys don't have that attitude and that's a detriment to them that they don't even understand. Oh, it's definitely uh Definitely a must. But let's see. I actually found the information here, so let me go ahead and plug this. It's actually August 20th. I was a little, was a little off on the date there. Um, it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. in Brooklyn, New York at the Fight Factory Gym. Uh, Mike Quackenbush, uh, uh, Vampiro, uh, Carlos Colon Sr., Ray Gonzalez is going to be one of the judges. Um, so pretty much the top guys are getting tryouts of Lucha Underground, WWC, Triple uh, A. You know, it's definitely worth a lookout. Uh, Toro Road Entertainment is the name on Facebook if you want to look into it. Uh, and it's going to be a great opportunity uh, for people to go and you know, not only get advice from some of the best in the business and you know some of the top guys in the business, not name McMahon. Um, you yeah. know, it's just it's a huge opportunity. That is awesome, man. Definitely. Anybody listening, if if you want to learn, if you want to get better, there's your opportunity right now. Don't make excuses. Just go. Right. And actually, let me read the little press release here. Uh, Whoever wins will be granted a guaranteed tryout match upon the international stage with AAA and WWC promotions. Uh, the runners-up wow. will be selected to receive a guaranteed tryout. Okay, so the runner-up gets – a tryout match with Lucha Underground, the two runner-ups. 
You know, that's a hell of a uh, second prize, you know, second prize there. Uh, You get flights to and from the tryout as well as hotel accommodations, you know, for the winners. So everything's going to be covered for the winners to go to these tryouts. Um, So it's definitely something I encourage anyone in the business uh, that, you know, is serious about going to the next level. Uh, Once again, it is uh, August 20th. Uh, it's a 12-hour event, Brooklyn, New York, at the Fight Factory Gym, uh, TorroRoadInt.com, T-O-R-O-R-O-A-D-E-N-T.com is the website for all the information on that. Very cool. That's very cool. And it's awesome to see, you know, people like Vampiro, people like, you know, Carlos Cologne, Mike Quackenbush, they don't have to do stuff like this. You know, Lucha Underground is a mainstream promotion. I mean, they're on international TV. You know, people know about them. They don't have to give people this chance because I'm sure they get emails daily from top guys that want to go there. I mean, so, you know, it's cool to see promotions give back as well. That is cool, man. I'm I'm actually really happy that that you brought this up while I was on the air with you because I didn't even know about it. But now I'm interested in doing that. that. That's a really cool chance right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times does opportunities like that come up, you know? Very no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, yeah, definitely. See, I definitely encourage anyone, you know, check it out, look into it. You know, you know, if obviously it's not, a, you know, not free. But if you're serious about yourself or you're serious about your craft, then you'll definitely won't mind spending, you know, the little money to do it. Right. And that's that's the same thing that goes with with anything. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, how can you want the people to invest in you? If you're not willing to invest in good gear, if you're not willing to invest in the seminars, how do you want the fans out there to take you seriously and then to buy your merch and want to bring you back to the promotion? Exactly. It's a business, man. Oh, yeah. A lot of people wouldn't even (laughs) invest in merchandise. I I don't get that. I mean, you know, in this business, you got to make money every way you can. T-shirts, buttons, hats, whatever, you know, you got to invest in yourself to make money in this business. You know, I see guys like a a big one for this is Riot City's Most Wanted. They have have masks that, that they design and paint by themselves before every show. You know, last weekend I was down in West Virginia at uh, AWA Appalachian Wrestling Alliance, and there was probably like 20, 30 kids there, and every single one of them had a Riot City mask. That's the type of merchandising that you need to do. You know, you can have your single one-color T-shirt, but if you're thinking outside the box, you know, Kindred Kamari selling, mm-hmm. selling the vampire fangs, Riot City selling the masks, Brian Hardy, my, one of my trainers, selling, selling guitar picks and stuff like that. Those little things, Andrew D'Ambrosio, uh, Drew, Drew Bronson, they have the little, uh, the little mustaches on sticks that they make for the mustache club. Those types of gimmicks are what the people want. But people don't think outside of the box anymore, and they wonder why their one black T-shirt with white writing isn't selling well. Oh, yeah, I mean, and fans want to take home some type of souvenir. Fans want to take home, uh, you know, something, you know, to remember the shows by. 
Right, right. So I can't say that enough, man. Like you got to, you have to have variety with your merchandise, and you have to have merchandise. Don't be one of those guys who are wondering why their things aren't selling. Oh yeah, that's good. And I mean, you know, the guys you mentioned, Riot City, Kendrick, uh, Kendrick, all them guys I've been on shows with. I mean, and and they have so much stuff there just for the fans. You know, stuff. You know, and. Not just T-shirts, because you know some people can't afford T-shirts. You know, a right. lot of these people come to these indie shows. You know, the ten, twelve dollar ticket price is a lot of money to them. You know, especially yeah. when you got a family of four. You know, or whatever. You know that that's pricey for some people. You know, so just little little things. You know, wristbands, stuff like that. That you know isn't expensive to the fans is great merchandise. <sighs> Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it definitely is, man. They, those types of things, they intrigue me. And I know if it's intriguing me, it's definitely intriguing the seven-year-old that's sitting at ringside. So I have to give those guys credit, man. It's, it's awesome to see people like that and to see their merch game on point like that. It's, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's something that is lacking a lot, uh, you know, I don't understand when I go to a show why not every single guy in that locker room doesn't have some kind of merchandise for sale. Right. Even if just eight by tens, I mean, you know, they're they're cheap, something cheap to make, you know, and you can make a profit off of something even as simple as that guys won't take the time out to do. Right. And, and then they wonder why, why they're not making the same kind of money as the other guys are. And that's the reason why right there you're not engaging the fans the same way that these guys are. If you're not even going to be able to stand out there at intermission to interact with the fans, how do you expect them to have those kinds of relationships and that kind of support for you? I mean, if you don't market yourself, who's going to market you? If you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? Exactly. Couldn't agree more, my friend. Could not agree more. Every, I mean, you know, every everyone in this business should believe that they're Hulk Hogan. You know, you should believe that you're that over because if you don't, how are you going to convince anyone else? Exactly. Exactly. You should be your own biggest fan. And if you're not, then what's it, what's it going to matter to the rest of them? Hey, you know, and, and as running a promotion, you know, when I, I start talking prices with guys, you know, and they give me their, you know, what they would like, which a lot of guys definitely feel they're more valuable than they are. I would have this Hey, brother, sorry you're breaking up again. Ah, crap. There we go. Nope. Can you hear me? No. I can hear you now. I didn't I didn't catch the very end of that though. Uh, I'm you know, I'm saying, you know, uh just, you know, give me a reason why you're worth what you're asking 
And I have no problem giving you that, you know, everyone, I, be, I believe everyone should get paid, but, you know, I want you to make, you know, I want you to make me believe that you're worth this because I know if you can make me believe it, then you're definitely going to be able to go out there and make the fans believe it. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. You know, so that's, that's my whole thought process on, you know, You know, especially, and I think, you know, and I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier with promos, I think people that can cut good promos are more valuable than anything else. You know, I, 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 I don't want to say that because I know that I'm a big fan of my own promos, but uh, I think I might be pretty valuable for the fact that I can talk compared to somebody who can do six backflips. Right. Yeah, not trying to toot my own horn, but for me, I look at that as an asset for me. And so I I appreciate hearing somebody like you who, as a promoter, say that they see that as valuable. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And I think it's just because, you know, the way, uh, you know, I am in the business where, you know, my like I said, my promos have always been my strong suit that I right. see that value a little more than some pro you know some promoters you know that that haven't had that experience of you know a promo can make or break a person you know if you come out there and you cannot you know work the mic and you don't have no one backing you up that can work that mic you're going to fall flat on your face you know you're going to have to go out there and do 500 flips and you know near falls just to try to get over right and and that and that isn't going to stay on people's minds as much as a great promo does, you know. I mean, uh, you look back at Randy Savage. One of the things people remember most about him is his promos, the Warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the big match with Hogan, you really can't just you know throw out you know how an Ultimate Warrior match went, but you damn sure remember those promos. Yeah, man, a hundred percent, and that's. That's like my my favorite guys. I love Dusty Rhodes. I love Ric Flair. I love Triple H. The three of them are great promos. That's what I remembered when I was a kid. I remember the, you know, I'm looking you, reach out to your television, and I'm reaching out to my television too. You know, the the American Dream promos and all that. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to be. You know, it wasn't watching Rey Mysterio and seeing him doing the 619 or seeing him doing the Senton or Jeff Hardy. That was cool, but I wanted to be Dusty Rhodes. I wanted to be Ric Flair. I wanted to walk the walk, but I wanted to talk the talk more than anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the best comments or one of the best, you know, You still there? There we go. Now you're back. Technical difficulties. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? There we go. Now I hear you. 
it's a live show, folks. Just think of it as the last year of Nitro. Um, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, getting compared to Jim Cornette, I see as a big honor. You know, that's a huge oh, honor yeah. to me is you know people a lot of people oh you remind me of a young Jim Cornette you remind me of a young Jim Cornette and I just think that's amazing. You know, it's that is that's a compliment you know, and a half to somebody like me to hear that. That's that's awesome that people say that about you. You know, and it's and I also get told I look like him, which I don't think is as much as a compliment <laughs> as people saying I sound like him. Hey, I mean, people say that I look like Dusty sometimes, and I don't take it to heart, so it's all good, brother. <laughs> and I'll tell you, and one person I think is very underrated on the mic. Uh, one person I think was. Was who? Are you there? there Arn Anderson. Yeah, oh, Arn Anderson. Yeah, man. Underrated. Very underrated. Oh yeah. I I was always a big a big Tully guy. Tully Blanchard on the microphone. I love too. Oh yeah, and he, I Tully Tully. He's a prick in person, but I mean, just what he did in the <laughs> rain and what he could do on the mic, and even Dill. I mean, the Horsemen as as a whole was just. I mean, they were perfect in every single way. They were. They really were, man. Like that that's the group that, that I idolized, honestly. You know, I wanted to have like for the coalition, my group now, I want us to be the new horsemen. That's what I want. That's the goal. That's the dream. But we'll see. You know, that's that's big shoes to fill. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean they they've tried they've tried to remake them a few times and it hasn't worked. I mean and, and you know what, I actually, you know, speaking of the horsemen the one person I think was underrated as a horseman was Steve McMichaels. I mean, I he may not have been the that. he may not have been the best in the ring, but I mean, he had the horseman mentality. I mean, he had, you know, he he could work the mic decently, and he just had that, you know, I'm I'm one of the elite attitude that you needed as a horseman. Exactly. Same with Benoit, dude. Oh yeah. You know, it's, and it's, Benoit, Benoit was kind of like the reverse McMichaels. He wasn't the greatest right. on the mic, but in the ring, he he could walk the walk. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. I agree with you on that one, man. And then you got the Paul Romas, who just kind of were there. <laughs> definitely. And and if Paul Roma ever hears that, I'm sure. I'm sure that he, he takes <laughs> Paul Roman takes criticism very well. Oh man, I I mean probably got to say my favorite my favorite Horseman incarnation is of course you know Tully, Arn, Oli, and Flair, but probably number two is with Benoit and McMichael. Oh yeah, definitely, and I you know and I. You know, it's sad when Malenko got in there, it kind of was just, you know, the horseman wasn't the horseman anymore, which right. sucked for, you know, Malenko. I think Malenko never got the 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 value put on him that he deserved, I mean, because he right. was phenomenal. Um, but, you know, at that point, the horseman, it was just kind of like, you know, kicking a dead horse, no pun intended. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, once, once Arn had to retire, it just, it was never going to be the same. Right. I completely agree, man. You know, and I, I could talk about Arnie and you know, 
Did I lose you again? There we go. You're back again. Sorry, man. I don't know what's going on here. I, I think it's Easter and the servers and not having support yeah. up on the servers today. I think it's just messing everything up. Well, I apologize to uh, to all the fans listening. I hope I hope that you can forgive us for this one. <laughs> it's it's a live episode. It's a. I'll just keep oh, repeating man. this well, live. I'll take sorry, a page guys. out of WCW. Sorry about that. <laughs> If only this could happen on Mark Madden's radio show, it'd be a lot better. <laughs> Hell yeah, bad. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, now, do you watch the current product? I do watch the current product. I, uh, I, I'm a big New Japan guy. I, uh, I don't follow NXT too much, but I do watch the main roster stuff. But uh, New Japan is probably where I stand the stand the most ground with. That's my favorite right now. See, and that's kind of like, you know, I really don't catch New Japan that much. You know, I'll catch it on Access every once in a while. Um, but I can't really say I'm too up on them. I've kind of actually fallen back with the Reign of Honor and not being as up to them. You know, it's nice seeing uh, Daniels finally get the recognition he deserves. That was nice to see, man. And that – uh. That match with the Hardys and the Bucks and Rapongi Vice was amazing on that show as well. And you know what? I disliked the, the Young Bucks so much. And I, I just, <laughs> I feel like, I, I personally feel like the Young Bucks have no place in this business. But you know what? I got to give credit where credit's due. They're making a name for themselves. And they're, you know, they're getting themselves over. You know, even if I feel like sometimes it's at the expense of the business, you know, right. they're, they're getting themselves over. And yeah, at the end I mean, of the day, it, that's what you're supposed to do. Like we said earlier, you know, you have those spots where there's all the super kicks and all that type of shit that the Young Bucks do. And, you know, I saw something with Ricochet takes like eight super kicks and then he pops up, blah, 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 blah. That does kill the business, in my opinion. But like you said, I got to give credit where it's due. And there, there are definitely times that I, I find myself enjoying the Young Bucks. And that was one of those times. That match with the Hardys or Rapongi Vice – I thought it was wonderful, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Young Bucks surprise me sometimes. Sometimes, you know, I feel, you know, they, I, I feel guilty because I like something they do. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, every every even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> but definitely seeing Daniels win, that, that was awesome. He was one of those guys – I was I was actually talking about this with somebody earlier today. We were talking about early Ring of Honor. And just watching him and his progression from when it was him and, you know, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever, from there in 2000-whatever to now, it's, it's phenomenal to see that he finally pulled that off. Now, speaking of uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, when his contract's up with WWE, do you see him, you know, wrestling again on the indies? I, man, I think he will. I really do think he will. Just listening to some of the things that he said in interviews, some of the things he said on Talking Smack, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. And, I mean, if that's, if that's what he wants to do, I can't 
say that I don't support it, but you got to be careful with those brain injuries, man. I've had five. Oh yeah, and I mean, especially you know now he has a kid on the way, and it's just kind of like you know you you kind of got to have priorities. I mean, if he wants, I think he has a job, you know, for life with WWE. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, so I mean, if the uh, passion's there. Yeah, it, that, it's, it's a toss-up for me. You know, I want to be selfish as somebody who's a fan of wrestling. I want to be selfish and say that I would love for Daniel Bryan to come back. But as somebody who's a human, who has had five concussions himself, who is a worker, I don't want that. I want him to do what's best for his health instead of stepping back into the ring. And, you know, and I felt that way, uh, you know, there's a couple guys I felt that way about Nigel McGinnis being a big one. You know, I'd love to see McGinnis in the rain again. Um, right. You know, I was upset when Steve Carino signed on to work the, uh, you know, the uh, performance center because I love Carino yeah. and I think Carino is amazing, you know, but I oh, also yeah. see why he did. I mean, his body is beat down. He just had neck surgery. You know, so, I mean, I can see why he did it. You know, selfish part of me says, no, I want Carino to stay, you know, doing what he was doing. I loved hearing him on commentary for Reign of Honor, you know, and I love seeing it when he wrestled. And I think, you know, and the thing I loved about Carino and Reign of Honor is when he did wrestle, there was always a huge buildup to him, and it always felt special when Carino wrestled. Right. You know, like the thing with, uh, with Cody Rhodes that he did. Oh, I loved it. That was that yeah. promo was fantastic, man. Like that whole thing, that especially with the history, great. right? Especially with the history with his dad and everything. I mean, I it was amazing to see. I loved it, man. I love it. That's there. There is an example right there of how a promo can take a guy just to that much greater by something as simple as that. Oh, exactly. And you know what? And I mean, if if Kobe Carino could stop shoplifting. I'd love to see a Kobe Carino, Cody Rhodes feud. I mean, I think that'd be amazing, you know. I mean, their dads had a nice feud in ECW. And and the nice thing about, you know, Steve and Dusty's feud was it was built off of promos. You know, when they did wrestle, it was amazing because of the promos that led up to it. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. So it, it is sad. It is sad to see that now he's just doing the performance center stuff, but you know what, if that's what he has to do for his body and for his, you know, to keep his career and keep him giving back to the business, I'd be selfish if I said I didn't want him to do that. Exactly. I mean, like, it's a double-edged sword all the way around. Um, now, another hot uh, topic coming out of WWE right now, and, uh, you know, ribs are a huge thing in this business. I mean, if you've never been – had a rib pulled on you, you, you're not really in the business. What do you think about this JBL situation where now all of a sudden everyone's coming out of the woodworks to, you know, the castrate JBL? You know, I've heard the JBL stories forever, forever. As long as I've been, you know, involved in the business in some capacity. I've heard the stories about him soaping up Edge in the locker room, about him having, you know, the Hardy Boys stick it stick toothpicks into uh what's his face's car, uh ah uh, shit. 
the jackal into the jackal's car so that he couldn't put his keys in it. You know, that's these are stories that I've heard forever, and now all of a sudden it's it's a big deal. And I just think that everybody's getting a little bit too PC about it. You know, I I suffer from bipolar myself. So I feel bad for Mauro Ronaldo. I really do. I can empathize with him. But people calling for JBL's head over this just seems a little insane to me. Right. And, and I mean, my whole thing with, you know, Mauro, he has a mental disorder, you know, bipolar. Right. And it's not necessarily anything JBL, you know, did in the locker room. I mean, even saying something in character on commentary or anything like that, I mean, that someone with, you know, that chemical imbalance, it could bother him on a much personal level than it should, or it could be taken much more personal than it should. Right. Exactly. So I I don't know. I think that I think that people are going above and beyond. But when you have something like the Be a Star campaign, I guess what what can you really expect except for people to backlash a little bit? Right. And my 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 thought on JBL is this is you know he's one of the last old school guys in the locker room. He's one of the last guys that came up through the territories. You know this that, and the other where you know the stuff that's seen as bully in these days was just, you know, it was it was making guys prove that they deserved to be there back in the day. You know, God exactly. forbid people like, you know, Mr. Fuji or Kurt Hennon were around these days. You know, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, they they'd be they'd be considered fucking Hitler to these, you know, a lot of these fucking PC mongers these days. You know, I heard a uh, a really good Mr. Fuji rib story. There was uh, there was one of the production guys, and they were going on tour in Japan. And this is this is back in, like, the early 90s, mid-90s. And uh, the entire flight over, the guy was worried. And they're like, you know, you got to work. You got to look out for Fuji. Fuji will mess with you. Fuji will rib you, blah, 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 blah. So the entire trip, this guy's worried as shit about what Mr. Fuji's going to do with him. Well, they finally fly back. They're going through customs, and Fuji go up to the guy, and he goes, Fuji best rib, no rib at all, and starts laughing and walks away from the dude. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> Just made hey. him sweat the entire time. Oh, he'd be a huge bully these days for that. <laughs> and, and I here, love it, and, and I'll tell you one person that's really pissed me off in this whole JBL situation is Justin Roberts. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's acting like he's all concerned, but he found this as a way to come out and try to sell more books. Exactly, know? man. It's the same and I thing can't with that. It's the same thing with him when he was trying to make a big deal after uh, after he was said and done with the uh, the Connor the Connor's Cure stuff. Oh yeah, and coming out and saying how you know. He was the one who really put everything together, and they wouldn't give me the attention I deserved, and blah, 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 blah. It's nothing but trying to sell books, man, and that's that's a shame. It really is a shame. He he just he reminds me of, of a fucking high school girl that just didn't get the you know she was runner up at the prom and now she's mad and wants to talk bad about it. <gasps> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I completely feel you. The the prom queen's a slut since I didn't win. 
<laughs> and that's what it reminds me of. And Justin Roberts, you know, I, I heard he was, I heard he wasn't that liked. And, and, you know, when he was up there anyways, he just had this smugness about him. And now I can see kind of that's starting to come through. You know, the more that he right. looks for these fucking little ways to try to, you know, it's about selling a book to him. You know, the Connors Cure thing, no matter who got credit for it or, you know, how it came into play, the important thing should have been that this kid got to live his dream, you know, for, you know, the little time he had left, he got to, you know, meet, exactly, you know, man. that's what's important. But he's, you know, he's whining, oh, I didn't get no recognition for that. You don't need a fucking pat on the back. You know, you should feel good. The fact, You know, if what you're saying is true, feel good about the fact that you, you know, got this together. Right. You, know, you, you brought you a smile this kid to that dream. kid's face. Yeah, for, right. for however many months or however many years, that kid had that relationship with you and with the other guys. That should be enough. Why do you need them to publicly recognize you as the one who put it together? Right. Like, I mean... It's, it's just ridiculous. It's, you know, congrats. You got to live your dream. Be fucking happy. You know, if not, go fucking sit in a lock car, Ryback, and cry some more. <laughs> you know? and, and Ryback's another one that just gets me like, oh, you know, I feel like everyone should get paid the most, or, you know, the same. That's fucking stupid. If you think for any reason you should make the same amount of money as John Cena, then you right. are delusional. Very delusional. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that many people, you know, a Ryback main event isn't going to sell out WrestleMania. No, definitely not, man. Yeah. And it's definitely actually a conversation not. I saw, you know, where people were talking about, you know, guys who left, you know, WWE and had a lot of success on the indie scene, like Cody Rhodes, uh, Sammy Callahan. There were people that were able to reinvent themselves. You know, Ryback goes on the indie scene and does the same shit he was doing in WWE. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not working for you. You know, you're not you're not doing anything to make yourself noticeable except for whining. Right, and that's that's a shame, man. That that definitely is a shame. And I mean, have you seen uh, Del Rio's latest his his Periscope rants that he's been going oh off on? Oh my god! He, every time he leaves Del Rio, all of a sudden he hates him. You know, but give it a year or two, if they call him, he'll be right back there with them. Yeah. Exactly. It's, I mean, that's just. It, I feel bad for it, Paige. I, I do too. Yeah, you know, I'm in that poor, that poor young girl. I mean, she's still young, and and the shit she's had to go through. I mean, I'm sure she gets heat because of her relationship with Del Rio, obviously. Right. You know, she's right. showing up on indie shows with them and doing all this extra shit, and you know, then the sex tape release. I mean, the poor girl just it's it's a lot for anyone of any age, especially being that young, to handle. Right. I just I just hope that there's a good ending to it all. I really do. Oh, I do too. Because and, you know, and I I think fair. she I think she's only going to be happy if she gets released. Um I think that's what she really wants. Right. Um, but I don't see Dodie releasing her anytime soon, especially with them putting all this into the movie uh, The Rocks right. producing. You know, they're going right. to keep her around at least until that comes out and for a little while while after. Obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, it'd be stupid not to. Yeah, it definitely would be. But watching his his Periscope rants, you know, calling Triple H this, that, and the other, and just all that shit, and it's like, dude, your, your girl or your soon-to-be wife or whatever you want to call her, she's still employed there. Like, you are doing right. nothing but hurting her cause right now. 
He don't care. No, of course not. You know, course he, not. He's, he's proved himself time and time again just to be a selfish prick. I mean, look how many shows he's no-showed. and You know, he's no-showed benefit shows. and I mean, the guy doesn't care about anyone but himself, and it's so obvious. Amazing talent, don't get me wrong. but uh, Oh, yeah, just, definitely. It seems his, like a his prick. stuff that he did in Lucha Underground, you know, and, and the way that he came back with the Alberto El Patron before he came back to WWE, he was tearing it up, man. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I like don't a... want to take anything away from him as a performer. I'm, I don't mean anything that way. But just the things that, that go on recently, it's it's hard to watch for me, man. All right. He's just a, he's a horrible human being, in my opinion. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's you – know, one person, I'll tell you, one person I think didn't take advantage of the sex tape getting released like he should have is Brad Maddox. That's the first oh, time yeah. Brad Maddox has been talked about in years. And what does he do? He shuts down all his social media. Look, <laughs> dude, you're not employed by WWE. I doubt they're going to bring you back. Take full fucking advantage of that. You know? Exactly, like, man. You know, Bischoff said it. Controversy does create cash. And I think Brad Maddox, if, you know, he kind of dropped off the face of the mat, if he would have, uh, you know, stayed up there, he, he would have been getting a lot of bookings just based off of the notoriety from those tapes. Just that alone. You know what I mean? I don't even, know. I mean, even Kofi joked about it, and he's on the main roster, so you know no one really <laughs> took it that serious. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's a shame. Like, I, I hate that that it happened is. to her. But come on, man. You got you to gotta play it off the way that, that the New Day did. You can't just ignore the whole thing. Right. I mean, you can't make a big deal about it. I mean... You know, if you ignore it, the fans are just going to want to talk about it more. But when you put it in their face like the New Day did, the fans just let it go. And, exactly. and that's how it's always been in this business. You know, when you fuck up, you got to acknowledge it or the fans will eat you alive. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know at all. That's, you know, it, it kind of like when the Matt Edge Lita thing happened. You know, WWE tried to sweep it under the rug and ignore it. The fans weren't having it. You know, once they acknowledge it and brought Matt back, then fans are kind of like, okay, it's no big deal now. You know, and look the at next the star thing. that it look at the star that that turned Edge into that storyline alone. Oh yeah, that saved his career. It really did. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, that was probably the most interested in Edge that I ever was when I was a kid was watching the rated R superstar. Anything before that, it was just like, oh, okay, that's Edge. But after that, he had some bite to him. It saved his career, oh, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, it even, it even gave Matt Hardy a few extra minutes of fame, you know, until he yeah. came, you know. Because Matt Hardy's always been one of those on and off again guys. You know, people kind of were into him for a little bit, and then he just kind of fall to the wayside. You know, but I mean, and he did a hell of a job with this broken gimmick to really reinvent himself and make himself arguably one of the biggest stars in wrestling. Brother, I'll tell you, that pop at WrestleMania was insane. Oh, yeah. It was, now, he, it was. It was insane. That was the pop of the night. I was I was there. And that was the pop of the night by far. Oh yeah. And I mean and, and it was really it was one of the, you know, few surprises that actually happened in this business anymore. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. You know, the fact that they just came I mean, straight from the bus, straight from their, their barbecue, went from there to the bus to the ring. That That's the way it should be, man. That was awesome. So, yeah. You don't get surprises like that anymore in this business, which sucks. I mean, because of the internet, you can't really keep anything a secret anymore. No. No, you can't at all. And I and I think the Hardys did a good job because they downplayed the whole thing. I mean, you know, in interviews they talked about, you know, they were in talks with WWE, you know, and there's, you know, nothing's worked out, and 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 fans believed it. You know, they 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 actually worked the fans, which is hard to do these days. It is, man. If you can pull that off, that's just that that's that proof of what, what they can do. Again, through their promos and stuff like that, just talking got that kind of reaction. Oh, yeah. And you know what? And now they got WWE's lawyers on their side in this whole impact ordeal. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see the broken characters come to WWE. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you do you think that they'll they'll bring it in, or do you think that uh, it's pretty much squashed from listening to the, you know, listening to them on After Raw and stuff like that? It seems like they pretty much kind of squashed the whole gimmick. Do you think it'll come back once the Impact stuff settled? I, I think it'll come back. I think you know WWE. You know now WWE has their lawyers involved. You know, and they're kind of saying, right. hey. You know, you called Jeff Hardy the, you know, the charismatic enigma, which was copyrighted by us. You know, we mm. can sue you for that, you know, so, you know, leave them be and let them have the broken gimmick and we'll leave you alone. I mean, because yeah. there's no lawyers on this planet that can beat WWE's legal defense. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. So, not so if, all. T- if, it, if Impact is smart, they'll just let it go and be like, you know what, you know, the Hardys are going to be over no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. But I think their longevity in WWE really relies on that broken gimmick because I think without the broken gimmick, I think they kind of go the way the Dudley boys ended up going to where they're kind of just, just a novelty act for a little run. while. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I think if they, can get, if they can do the broken gimmick there, then I really think, you know, it, they have longevity. Yeah, I I completely agree because it's not – it's not the same old shit. It's something completely different and something that the fans can really sink their teeth into. It's something that off the wall, almost like Lucha Underground, with some of the off the wall things they do without it being corny in the right. way that WWE seems to fall sometimes. Exactly. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where things go, uh, especially with them, because, I mean, right now, I. Personally, I think the novelty ran out, ran out the night after Mania. Uh, you know, right. I feel like the, the surprise was there, but at the night after Mania, you know, where do they go from there? They kind of, you know, it sucks, but they kind of pigeonholed themselves to where they need the broken gimmick. Right. Speaking of uh, Raw after Mania, I got to give Roman Reigns credit for that promo that he did to open the show. Oh, that yeah, was I mean, absolutely perfect. The way that he just stood there for that long and just let them start with the fuck you Roman chants and all that. That was the way that they should have, you know, done it for a while. And they could have capitalized on it. So it was a bummer to see the way that they followed it up last week. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's it's about time they recognize that he, he's getting in play off of it. I mean... He got Braun Strowman over as the biggest baby face, than, you know, on Raw this past week. Exactly. 
you know, and you're going to you're going to see him limp out next week. He'll be 100 percent fine. He'll be back with a couple cracked ribs. Sucker and Succotash, show me some love. But it's it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, not at all. You know, you you can't have somebody end the career of The Undertaker and then want them to be your top face again the next week. It doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, from the reports, you know, Roman, you know, he's obviously not a bad guy. And, you know, know, there's reports that, you know, he he actually sat alone and cried in the locker room after ending The Undertaker, you know, giving The Undertaker his last match. Um, but, you know, the fans are just seeing, you know, the character. And the fans want the character to be a heel. He needs to be a heel. You know, right. they they, sh- they should have learned their lesson with Austin. You know, they did the right thing with Austin. You know, fans cheered him and they let him go that route. They let the fans decide. And Austin became one of the biggest stars ever. And they need right. to do that with Reigns. They need to just let Reigns go full-blown heel. Uh, because, you know, by the time he does turn face again, it'll be huge. Exactly. You know, and he's he's not a bad worker. He really isn't. So no. it's it's a shame that they won't do it the way that, that the fans see it and the way that it should be done, in my opinion, by turning him and letting him be that monster for a while. Now, now were you at WrestleMania? I was. I went to uh, NXT, I went to the Hall of Fame, and I went to Mania. Nice. So how was it, I mean, when John Cena, you know, the whole thing with him, you know, asking Nikki to marry him, whatever, whatever, how did that go over live? Honestly, that was my, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to get something (laughs) to eat, I'm going to get something to drink moment. It was one of the loudest boos of the night, besides probably Roman Reigns, was just, when he did get on that knee and he proposed and listened to everybody chanting, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was, it was something else, man. It was, it was definitely crazy. That's wow. I mean, it's, they tried to have their savage Elizabeth moment there and I just don't think it worked. It worked out. For no, them. <laughs> but I no mean, not at all. Lorraine, he bought her. You can fucking see from any seat in that arena. Jesus Christ, that was a huge rock. <laughs> that thing was insane. I couldn't even believe how big it was. I showed that to uh, to my girlfriend when I got home. I uh, I took a picture, and I was just like, look at the fucking size of this thing, man. <laughs> now, that may be the dumbest thing ever. You showed it to your girlfriend. Now you know what she's going <laughs> to <laughs> That's a good point. Well, now I have something that you have to live up to. Yeah, why would you do that? Now when you do, <laughs> you know, no matter what ring you get her, it's going to be like, that isn't the size of Nikki Bella's. <laughs> I'll say to her, listen, you don't like wrestling, so I knew you wouldn't want something that big. I had to get you something your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> Oh, Sorry Lord. about that, man. I got bronchitis right now. Still trying to, uh, still trying to recover from it. But uh, I got big weekend all, coming up next weekend. Compared to all the other problems on the show tonight, I think you coughing isn't a big one. <laughs> I'm trying the to get better before Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, you, so you got some shows coming up then? I do. I got uh, this Saturday coming up in uh, the afternoon. Uh, I'm going to be at the Icons of Wrestling Festival. 
at uh, the old ECW arena. Uh, Ric Flair will be there. The Hardys were scheduled. Not sure if they're still going to make that date. I know that they're still doing some indie bookings. Uh, But uh, Sting will be there. Ricky Steamboat will be there. It's going to be fun. I'm doing that, signing autographs in the morning. And then that night, I'm going to be at ATCW Wrestling out in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Nice, nice. I, I wanted to go check out that Icons of Wrestling. I heard it was, you know, every year it's it's a big thing. You know, I'm kind of mad I missed it the year Bobby Heenan was there because that's kind of on my bucket list is to meet the brain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm excited. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be sharing a table with Nunzio. So oh, anybody nice. who's listening, come over, say hi to Nunzio, say hi to me, get a little eight by ten signed, and uh, come have some fun because it's gonna be it's gonna be a real good real good day over there. All right, it definitely sounds like it. I've been uh, looking at it on Facebook. You know, I'm, sucks I can't make it. You know, with, with Cauliflower Alley Club and everything coming up, I really couldn't afford to make it out to that one. Uh, you know, yeah, but it definitely looks like a great show. Uh, you know, Cauliflower Alley Club, it's, you know, that's another thing I encourage anyone in the business, you know, even if it's just one time in your lifetime, it's worth making it out to that in Las Vegas every year. I mean, it's, you know, you, a lot of guys get recognition they deserve, you know, and it's just a good time to, you know, where the boys can be around the other, you know, legends, people that made it all possible for us. You know, last year, I, you know, one of my biggest inspirations was, you know, Pat Patterson and getting to meet him for the first time last year. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's the first time, the only time I've actually been lost for words meeting someone, you know, I've met That's so many awesome. people, you know, at different shows, but just meeting him, I was speechless. I was shaking. I didn't, you know, it was just, it was, <laughs> it was awesome pretty though, man. Oh yeah. It was great. I can't wait to go back this year. Um, you know, it's kind of becoming my yearly tradition to go out to Vegas for that week and just, you know, kind of, you know, go to the banquet dinner and see people get recognized, uh, you know, recognized in the sport of wrestling that deserve it. And it's really cool, you know. And of course, you got a few dicks like Greg Gagne that'll be there, but you can just look <laughs> past him. I, I'll tell you what, that guy, I, it was my first time meeting him was at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and he was just such a prick. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you know, your that's, dad that's was a big a star in this man. business, not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I feel. Some guys just, you know, uh, you know, Paul Orndorff, he was a little, eh, you know, so sometimes it's best not to meet your heroes, but, you know, sometimes it does work out. You know, I, I got to sit there and talk to Gene Oakland for a while, and he's a real down-to-earth guy. You know, Pat Patterson, it was just amazing talking to him, and, you know, that's and awesome, the great thing man. is, like, you can talk to these a lot of these guys about stuff outside of the business. Um, oh, yeah. Know. So, you know, uh, with, with Patterson, we talked a lot about, you know, uh, one of the main things we talked about was just, you know, the change in the business from, you know, in his day where, you know, he would never be accepted by being out uh, to today where you see with Darren Yon. And, I mean, all over the indie scene, you got amazing talent that's, you know, out uh, like Sonny Kiss and, and people like that. And, it's it's pretty cool to see that kind of change in the business to where you can be you and you're not getting judged or whatever in the locker room. Right. You can just be accepted for that. That's, that's awesome, man. You know, I, I love the opportunity when I can to just, you know, pick the brain of those types of guys. I recently, uh, I traveled in a car with Nikolai Volkov not too long ago uh, to a show in Virginia and back 
And I learned more in those eight hours that we spent in the car than I think I have in all of the years that I've done this. Those types of guys, they just want to give back and they want to help you. And so anytime you get an opportunity like that, like, that's awesome, man. It really is. Oh, yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, anytime a promoter, you know, is bringing someone, you know, I need someone to pick them up from the airport. I'm always there to volunteer just for the fact that, you know, you get that knowledge, you know, that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to get. Yeah, you know, exactly. So exactly. Really awesome. Um, you know, well, I think one of my, you know, one of my greatest memories outside of meeting Pat at the Cauliflower Club was uh, sitting there and talking to Larry the Accented um, and just oh, seeing, cool. you know, and seeing, you know, just the pride in his eyes when he talks about, you know, Curtis, you know, even though he's not really doing much, you know, just seeing the happiness in, you know, Larry Hennon's eyes when he talks about him, you know, and just like, you know, two minutes later, seeing the hurt in his eyes when he talks about Kurt. I mean, it was right. just, you know, it was just, it was, it was a, a unique experience to say the least, because I mean, you know, he's got the, you know, pride for his grandson, but then he's still, you know, hurt over losing his son. You know, it's it's kind of amazing. That is, man. Who's who's being inducted this year, if you don't mind me asking? Um, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I really can't remember now. So you don't put <laughs> me on the spot. Um, <laughs> let me look it up right quick. The, the, the power of the Internet these days. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're supposed to be doing the interviews, but I, I have to know. I'm curious. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, geez. Let's see if you even notice. It'll be nice uh, to see Jim Ross. You know, Jim Ross is supposed to be there. And I know, uh, you know, he's kind of, you know, diving into the wrestling business, you know, after losing That's his big, wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin Von Erich's one of the ones going in. Um, mm. The grappler's doing his little stand-up routine. Huh. Yeah, Kevin Von Erich's getting the Luthez Award, uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, last year Arn Anderson got it. So, Very cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat uh, to see that. Let's see. Oh, there we go. I found it. Yeah, Kevin Von Erich, uh, Tolly Blanchard. Uh, the Tokyo Monster, uh, the Cuban Assassin, uh, the Women of Glow, Dave Meltzer. I guess there's a spot for everyone in that. (laughs) I may need a a bathroom break during during that part of the night. (laughs) Well, fucking Meltzer's up there blowing blowing himself on stage. He's going to give himself six, six stars for his speech. Right, yeah. Fucking. <laughs> yeah the, the, the week after the Call of Fire Alley Club, I'll come on here and give his speech a rating. See. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Meltzer, in my opinion, he's just too full of himself. I mean, the, the guy doesn't know half of what he thinks he knows, in my opinion. Yeah. It you is know, what I it is. To, uh, I listen to Bruce Pritchard. I listen to uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast every week. And he says it best, I think, about Meltzer when he says that he says this is what's going to happen unless I'm wrong. Then they never planned on doing that and things changed. You know, it's very, very easy to say that you're just speculating after you're wrong. 
But if you are right, then to toot your own horn and say that you have some type of inside scoop. Right. Oh, yeah. When he's wrong, it's always, oh, they changed it because, you know, I let people know about it. No, they probably right. never planned it, and you're just a fucking mark for yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. He's the, he's the fucking Perez Hilton of wrestling. I mean, he's just a gossip. He's a gossip queen. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, man. and he values himself, you know. In his eyes, he's just as fucking important to this business as fucking Dusty Rhodes or Terry Funk or anyone else was. Right. And little does he know that he's nothing more than a mark and he's getting worked by the boys just as much as as the rest of the crowd is, man. All right. And that's a lot of people talk about, well, you know, his dirt sheets found in the locker rooms, this, that, and the other. Of course it's in the locker room. People, you know, want to keep tabs on what's going on in the business. You know, I doubt they're reading it to figure out, you know, find out what's happening next. Uh, you know, right. a lot of them read exactly. it, you know, just because they, they still have friends on the indie scene. So they like to keep tabs on what's going on, you know, and some of them may feel like they're going back to the indie scene. So they better keep tabs on things. Exactly. Know where they have to end up next. Right. You know, are you going to be in, you know, Boca Cano, Michigan, wrestling in a barn in front of 50 people? You know, mm-hmm. you keep well, tabs. That's, that's- that's the difference, man. You have somebody like like Meltzer, but then you have like Bill After, and that's somebody that I respect. That's oh, somebody yeah. who actually knows what they're doing, who's a legitimate journalist, not that bullshit that Meltzer puts out. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, and you know, uh, he's a big one that's always at these conventions and everything else, and you know, I've met him a few times. He's a really nice guy, and he you, he loves the business, and he's not in it to make a mockery of the business like Meltzer is. He actually loves the business. Exactly, man. I got I got nothing but love for Apter and the exact opposite for Meltzer. It's, it's, just, I, it's a shame, man. I, I feel like that's very uh, common, but it looks like we are. I'm getting the whisper in my ear that it is coming up to the end of the episode. It's actually counting me down in my ear. Um, oh man, I do sorry appreciate... about that, guys. Hey, you know what? It's been a great show. I appreciate having you on. Uh, you definitely uh, been a great show. I feel like minus the technical difficulties. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hey, definitely have you on again. Uh, you know, I love having guests where we can talk about everything from, you know, what's going on, you know, not only in the guest career, but what's going on in the business as a whole. You know, a lot of guys take themselves too serious to, you know, talk about anything outside of themselves. So, you know, I definitely you know, enjoy read, having you on. I read somewhere, it's all wrestling, it's all fun, we all love it. And that's oh, the yeah. way I try to look at it. Oh, yeah. If, if you're not a fan, then you're in the wrong business. You exactly. Know, you got so to love the business. You. I appreciate thank you, you for being on. on. Oh, yeah. We're definitely, definitely going to have to have you back sometime. You know? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I just want to plug one more time. ATCW this Saturday, the 26th in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Icons of Wrestling Festival. Come over. Say what's up. Say you listen to the podcast. Listen to the show. And I'll give you a little 8 by 10 and some love. Hey, you know, what else can you ask for in this business? Hell yeah, man. So thank you again. The fans are the reason we're here. Hell yeah, man. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Easter. Thank you to everybody listening, and I really appreciate it, man. Nothing else I can say. No problem. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Fans will be back live next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Till then, enjoy the rest of your night. 
and come on back to the shooting range.